All right, Daniel chapter number 6, in verse number 1, the holy inspired Word of God tells us it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes which should be over the whole kingdom. Over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Let me pause there and say it would be a good testimony for every Christian to have uh, that the only thing that they do wrong is serving God in the world's eyes. That the world can't bring about them a testimony of anything wrong, uh, any wrongdoing except it be that they serve God and are faithful to Him. And I promise you, if you do serve God, that that's going to seem like wrongdoing in the eyes of the world. The Bible says there will come a time when those that persecute the people of God will think that they do God's service. And I kind of believe we're uh, at that place right now. And I know there's a prophetical understanding about that. But I believe we're at a place now where people that persecute Bible preachers and Bible Christians feel like they're doing it for the greater good. And such was the circumstance with Daniel. They uh, felt like if there was any way that they were going to get an accusation against him, it'd be because he did serve God. Verse 6 says, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, Thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, notice verse 10, our text is found there. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open uh, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Let's read that again. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and this opportunity that you've given us to be in your house. Lord, I'd ask that your holy word would move upon hearts and that your Holy Spirit would have liberty to deal with us tonight. Lord, we know that except you do a work in our hearts, no work will be done. But we'd ask, Father, for your grace and mercy in this matter. Lord, though we've turned you away many times, though, God, there's been many times that you've convicted our hearts, that we've stubbed up and got stubborn and cold against you, Lord, I do pray that tonight you would uh, have the liberty to move upon hearts and find receptive attitudes towards you. Lord, help me to preach. I don't have the ability, but God, I pray that your Holy Spirit 
Well, Lord, would fill me and give me the unction that I need. Father, help me to say only that which You would have me to say, Lord, and to not refrain from saying that which would be pleasing to You. Lord, we love You. We love You tonight because of Calvary, because You first loved us, Lord, and You shed abroad the love of Christ in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, Lord. Now, help us to love You more and teach us to love You more. Father, we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. In this passage, we're very, very familiar with the context and the content. We're taught as little children the story of Daniel and the lion's den. We're shown flashcards, and maybe some of us were shown uh, the little felt illustration boards, and we've learned about this story. But tonight, I don't want to preach on the entire passage. I don't want to necessarily examine God's deliverance of Daniel from the lions, although that's a very mighty story, and there's much to be learned. And I don't necessarily want to focus on the persecution that came into Daniel's life, although we'll touch on it. But tonight I want to preach on a simple thought. When Daniel was faced with this difficulty, the Bible tells us in verse 10 that he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled down and prayed three times a day as he often did. He gave thanks to the Lord. And I got to thinking about this passage and thinking to myself, how thankful that I am in my life and how thankful we all ought to be in our lives for an open window to converse with the Lord. You know, in this passage, we find three things that Daniel was facing. And I'm not going to dwell on them, but just give them to you. Uh, the story tells us that he was facing dissension in the kingdom. That Darius had set all of these princes, 120 of them, and over them three different presidents. And Daniel was the chief of these presidents. And the Bible tells us that these princes and uh, captains and all of these men got together and decided they wanted to do something to get rid of Daniel. And if you serve God, I promise you, there'll always be a group of people that are upset with you. There'll always be a group of people that would rather you not be there. And any man that takes a stand for God is going to face persecution. The Bible says, Yea, and all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you're in the middle of the persecution that you're having to suffer, just rejoice that the power of Christ and the Spirit of Christ rests upon you because of that infirmity, as the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians. So Daniel was facing these men had come together and decided that they were going to get rid of him. And they said the only way that we can get rid of him, the only thing that Daniel will do contrary to the law is serve God. And so if we're going to entrap Daniel, we must do it uh, through uh, the legal premise that he has disobeyed and disregarded the king. And so they went to King Darius and they said, Darius, uh, O king, live forever. They were buttering him up, weren't they? They came to him and they wanted to get his ego nice and large. And they came to him and said, Darius, all these men have got together and they've just decided that they love you so much that we want to establish a royal statute that for 30 days, anybody that prays to any god or any man other than you should be cast into a den of lions. And Darius, you know, he must have been feeling pretty good that day. He had his uh, hair combed and had his uh, nice crown on. And he said, you know, that sounds pretty good. And so he signed the decree. And the Bible tells us in several places in the Word of God that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, that whenever something was signed into the law by the king, not even the king himself, himself could alter it. And so we know how the story goes. We know that they, of course, bring these accusations against Daniel. We know that Daniel stands firm and stands strong. But I'd just like to say that there's times in our life when we're going to face dissension from those around us. People are going to try to hurt us on purpose sometimes. Do you know that? 
There's times people are going to go out of their way to hurt your feelings. Times that people are going to go out of their way to damage you and to destroy you. Daniel faced this. And as believers, we're going to face this. But there's almost a more harsh reality because Daniel did not only face dissension, but he faced what he could have perceived as disloyalty as well. You see, the Bible tells us later on in this passage that Daniel loved King Darius and King Darius loved Daniel. And I'm sure that whenever uh, Daniel heard that this writing was in place, there was a temptation to feel like, you know, the king has betrayed me. Can I tell you that many times it's going to be the people closest to you that are going to hurt you the most. People that you would have sworn would have never stuck a knife in you. But lo and behold, there comes a time in your life when your own familiar friend lifts up his heel against you. We all face that at times. But not only was Daniel threatened with dissension and disloyalty, but he was also uh, threatened with danger, bodily danger. His life was literally hanging in the balance. Uh, the law had been passed and it was decreed Daniel must be thrown into the lion's den. Do you know, I believe we're coming to a time in this country when physical bodily danger will threaten those that stand for Jesus Christ. I believe there will come a time in my lifetime, and I could be wrong about this, I'm not a prophet, I'm just a preacher, and there is a difference. Uh, and there are no prophets, of course, uh, walking this earth today. I can't give you any new revelation, uh, but I'll tell you what I can do is I can take the old book and give you the truths out of it. And I am no prophet in any way. Uh, but I do believe there'll come a time in this country, probably in my lifetime, when they'll put chains on the front of churches like Wall Ridge Baptist Church. I believe there'll come a time when they'll try to put preachers like me and others in jail for preaching the Word of God. Hate crime, I'm sure it'll be called when a man stands and preaches against sodomy and preaches against defiling the marriage bed and preaches against false gods. And they'll say that's hate speech. There's no room for that in this country. They'll say for the greater good we have to do away with preachers like that. Hey, they'll think that those uh, that are persecuting and killing Christians are doing God a favor, like I said a little earlier. Daniel was faced with these things, but how did Daniel respond? I'd like for us to notice three things tonight. And I'd like for us first off to notice Dan Daniel's reaction to the situation. Do you know that as a Christian, we're measured more by our reactions than our actions? We have the Spirit of God living within us, and any man can premeditate a good response. But what about when somebody hurts you? How do you react? What about when somebody insults you? How do you react? Daniel had done nothing to cause this persecution, but he reacted in the proper way. I want us to notice three things about it. Notice first off that Daniel did not panic when trouble came. You know, as Christians, many times we too often panic when difficult times come into being. How about you? Do you start to panic when the bills start to roll in? Do you start to panic when difficulties arise in your family? Do you start to panic when health problems crowd in on your well-being? No doubt there is a temptation to panic, a temptation to take God off of His throne and to pronounce His weakness. But can I tell you that that's purely of the devil and of the flesh what we as Christians ought to do when we incur upon difficult times and hard trials and troubles in our life is look heavenward towards a mighty God that sits upon His throne and the throne of our life and is in control even when difficult times are about us. I'm reminded when Peter uh, was asked to walk up or he asked the Lord if he could walk on the water out to him. And of course, the Lord allowed him to do so. And you're all familiar with the story. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But sure enough, Peter took his eyes off of the Lord and went and began what?
what did he do? He began to panic. He looked around and saw the waves around him. He got his eyes off of God upon the circumstances and he began to sink. But there's a beautiful truth in this. The Lord didn't begin to sink, did He? It didn't affect the Lord one bit. And do you know when you sink, the Lord still stands? And when the waters go over your head, they're still under His feet. And your circumstances don't affect the Lord's circumstances one single bit. He's still on His throne. Daniel didn't panic. Notice Daniel didn't plead either. Now, we know that he spoke to the Lord, but he didn't go in before the king and say, Oh, king, you can't do this to me. Oh, king, I am one of your faithful servants. You can't do this to me. He could have gone in and said, Hey, boy, this might ring true to some of us. He didn't go in and say, Hey, king, I've been here longer than you have. He had, hadn't he? He had, hadn't he? He had been promoted. He had been in that kingdom longer than Darius had. He didn't say, I was here when you got here. I'll be here when you're gone. He didn't come in and say, oh, you can't do this, king. You can't do this. You owe me better than this. No, he didn't lower himself to pleading to a man for his deliverance. Can I tell you, have a greater deliverer than any man in this world. I'm reminded what Abraham said whenever uh, the king of Sodom had come to him. Abraham had delivered. I mean, he had really got... The king of Sodom had got his ox out of the ditch. And he had gone and rescued Lot and rescued all the men that had been taken captive by the kings that were in the vale of Siddim. And so uh, the king of Sodom came to him and said, All right, Abraham, here's what I want to do. Abraham, I want you to keep everything, uh, all the spoils from the battle. Just send the people with me. You know what Abraham said? I like this. He lifted his hand towards heaven. He said, I've made a vow before God. I'll not take so much as a shoelace from you pagan kings. Lest you should say that I have made Abraham rich. What was he saying? I'm not looking to man for my sustenance. I'm not looking to man for my deliverance. And listen to me. If you go through this life always looking for somebody else to fix your problems instead of looking to the God in heaven to be your deliverer, you're going to be a miserable person and you're going to be sorely disappointed. Daniel didn't plead to the king. What did Daniel do? Daniel prayed. Daniel used the greatest resource that any Christian has. Listen to me. The Word of God is a wonderful resource. But without prayer, the Word of God will not be effectual in our lives. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a wonderful, wonderful resource. He is God. You know, sometimes we speak of the Holy Spirit as an it. But it's not an it. It's a he. It's a person. And oh, he. And listen, he's not number three in the Trinity either. He's just as much God as God the Father is. He's just as much God as God the Son is. And oh, what a beautiful resource He is in our life. The Comforter that gives us the strength that we need and the comfort in times of need. But without prayer, He can't help us. Prayer is the greatest unused resource in the life of any believer. We have access to the throne room of God, but many times we neglect to use it. We have the omnipotent God with us day by day. That's what the Bible teaches, doesn't it? I shall never leave thee nor forsake thee. But we act like He's forsaken us. How do we act like that? When we don't pray to Him. When we don't pray. The Christian's first reaction in any circumstance should be that of prayer. The Christian's first response in the midst of any trouble should be prayer. Above anything, why do we talk to people that can't fix our problems and neglect the person that can fix our problems? Why is it that we talk to everyone else that doesn't matter and don't talk to the person that does matter? Why do we do everything that won't affect it and don't do the one thing that will affect it? I want you to know that Daniel did the smart thing the first time. 
He prayed. He didn't run through other resources. I've heard everybody, I've heard, I've seen church signs. You know, some people ought to have their church signs just plumb taken away from them. I'll be honest. And, and, and stupid church signs annoy me. And that's a pet peeve. You're just going to have to forgive me. I know I'm in the flesh when I say that, but they just annoy me. And I've, I've seen this on church signs before. When you've tried everything else, try Jesus. Is that really what the Word of God teaches? <laughs> what about this one? You've tried everything else, try prayer. Or when nothing else works, try prayer. Now, let me tell you what the biblical response of every Christian should be. Don't try anything else. Try prayer first. Try it first. And listen, if it don't work the first time, don't try something else. Try prayer again. (laughs) Don't go anywhere else. Most people use prayer as a spare tire. When uh, the tire goes flat, then they get out and get the spare out so they can hobble along their way. But the rest of the time, it's stuck in the back of the trunk and nobody ever pays a mind to it. There's people, listen to me, that only pray when they're in the fiery furnace. There's people that only pray when the water's above their head. And they have no prayer life other than that. That's as wicked and straight out of hell as the worst bit of fornication or sodomy or drunkardness, prayerlessness is the greatest sin of our generation and many of us are guilty of it. He prayed. He prayed. That was the first thing he did. We see his reaction. But notice the resource that he had. I, I like this. This is probably the thrust of my message. I shouldn't have told you that because then when I move on you're going to fall asleep. But, but notice this. Now when Daniel knew, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what did that mean? That meant there was no change in it. Even the king couldn't change it. By the way, you know that's a picture of our Lord. Even our Lord won't change His Word. Even our Lord, listen, it's been signed by the blood of Christ. Even our Lord won't change His Word. That means what? For the sinner, it means that the only way to heaven is through Calvary. The sacrifice and substitute that's been made for your sin debt and for my sin debt. It means that there's nothing that can alter the Word of God forever, O Lord. Thy Word is settled in heaven. What does the Bible say? He's magnified Thy Word above all Thy name. You say, oh, but, oh man, this isn't the message, but let me chase this rabbit. You say, oh, but you don't understand stand, preacher. I don't have to call on the name of Jesus because I just worship my own type of God. It doesn't matter. His Word is bigger than His name. And the Word of God condemns you as a sinner, lost and undone. And it doesn't matter. You can call Him Jesus all that you want. But if it's not the Jesus of the Word of God, it doesn't mean a thing. Mexico's full of people named Jesus, but they ain't going to get you to heaven. It's got to be the Jesus Christ of the Word of God. And that's where this contemporary movement has missed it. They preach Jesus, but they don't preach a biblical Jesus. They preach a Jesus that's all love and no holiness. That's not a biblical Jesus. They preach a Jesus that's all forgiveness, but no judgment. That's not a biblical Jesus. And they can call it Jesus if they want. And they can cry out that name if they want. And they can promote that name all they want. But He's magnified His Word above His name. And so if that name is not in line with the Word of God, it doesn't mean a thing. That's free. You didn't pay for that. (laughs) We see His reaction But I want you to notice his resource. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what did he do? He went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel went into his house and found there an open window, a resource to converse with God. Isn't it sad? All of the price that had to be paid for our privilege of prayer that we don't even utilize prayer like we ought to. Let me tell you something. You don't have to pray through a man. 
You don't have to go and sit in a confessional box. You don't have to rub a bunch of beads together to talk to God in heaven. God's made a way for us to pray. But many times we don't utilize it. There's three things about this place and this, this window that I think was important. I want us to notice that first off, it was a personal place. Where was it? It was in Daniel's house. And it wasn't just in his house. It was in his chamber. In other words, Daniel went to his bedroom window and prayed out. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Daniel had a place where he got alone with God. Let me tell you the first thing you need to do. Uh, it doesn't matter. If you don't have this in your Christian walk, you don't need to put this off. You need to go home. I mean tonight. And you need to find you a place where you can get alone with God and talk with Him. I'll tell you, we've got homes now with all the modern conveniences. We've got homes, listen, we got, I mean, we've got dishwashers for our dishwashers. We've got vacuum cleaners to vacuum our vacuum cleaners. We've got, I mean, you can, there's, there's people out here, they can turn their lights on, turn their lights off with the touch of their phone. We have all the conveniences in the world, and our homes are crumbling. Why? Our homes have everything, but no prayer closet. Our homes have in-ground swimming pools, but no prayer closets. Our homes have walk-in laundry rooms. Our homes have separate dining rooms. Our homes have three-car garages. Our homes have security gates. But it's missing the main implement that's needed for a home to work, and that's the prayer closet. Without the prayer closet, a home won't work. It won't function. A Christian life is the exact same way. Your personal walk with Christ, without a prayer closet, without a personal place, there's some people that the only praying they do is if they get called on in a church. There's some people the only praying they do is when they sit down to eat a meal. There's some people the only prayer that they do is two minutes right before they go to sleep, just a little sing-song ceremonial prayer before they go to bed. That's not having a prayer closet. What did Christ say in the book of uh, Matthew, chapter number 6 and verse 6? But when thou, uh, thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. God demands that every single believer have a place. It doesn't have to be a physical closet, but a place where you get alone with God and talk to Him. I want us to notice it was not only a personal place, but I want us to notice it was a perpetual place. I like this. His windows being open. Daniel did not come into his room and open his window. His window was already open when he got there. You know what that tells me? Daniel left his window open. You ever wonder, the Bible tells us in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. You ever wonder how that's possible? How can you pray without ceasing? Is God commanding us all to quit our jobs, to live the life of a secluded uh, monk, uh, living like a hermit in some monastery, never speaking to anyone but Him, and living alone and doing nothing but praying? No, that's not what God's asking. And yet the Bible says pray without ceasing. If what that means is literally to be constantly in prayer, then Paul failed, and he's the one God used to write it. Then Peter failed. Then John failed because all these men carried on ministries. Uh, Paul himself worked with his own hands to provide for himself and those that were with him. He was about other business. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, let me see if I can uh, put it in a plain and simple way. It means to always be in an attitude and consciousness of prayer. Now, I'm not talking about just... I, I hear people all the time that say this, and you, I don't know, I, I got Facebook and I probably ought to get rid of it. It just aggravates me more than anything, but... But, you know, you get on there and people will say, sending prayers your way or wishing prayers towards... No, that, that's not prayer. And that's not, that's not what I'm talking about when I say an attitude of prayer. 
What I mean is this, living daily, consciously in the presence of God. Most of us, the only time we pray is a little pocket of time and the rest of the time we go about our business and never give a single thought to the fact that the Almighty God is with us day in and day out. Daniel didn't... And I'm sure Daniel had times set aside. In fact, the Bible teaches he had three times set aside. It doesn't have to be three times for you. It can be if you want it to be. It could be four times. It could be five times. It could be one time. You need to have a time when you set aside that all you do is pray and talk to the Lord. But I believe that the significance of this window being open was that Daniel had an opportunity to talk to God at any time. And you as a believer, because of the priesthood of the believer, because of what Christ has done for you, the Bible says, let us come boldly, therefore, under the throne of grace. You know what the Bible says? We have access to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, you ought to live daily in an attitude of prayer. Talk to Him all day. Don't talk to Him for two minutes here. Don't talk to Him five minutes at the end of the day. Talk to Him all day. He's with you all day. Talk to Him all the time. You say, oh, well, that's disrespectful for me to talk to the Lord while I'm driving. No, no. It's not disrespectful ever to pray to the Lord if you're sincerely praying to Him. Uh, you need to always be in an attitude of prayer. His window was always open. It didn't matter what time it was. He was always... And by the way, he didn't come in and open it at the time to pray. It was always open. But I want us to notice it was not only a personal place and a perpetual place, but it was a perceived place. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? What does it say? It says his windows were open towards Jerusalem. Now, we know this is something that was done uh, by exiled believers in the Old Testament, exiled Jews. And they did this uh, not to, in a ceremonial way, uh, but to compensate for the fact that they did not have a temple. They did not have uh, any of the amenities of the temple. They could not go and make sacrifices. And they did it in remembrance of the worship that they had had with the Lord. But the significance is this. His window was facing towards Jerusalem. Do you know that your prayer window is facing towards Jerusalem as well? You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, uh, verse 22 says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Because of the covenant relationship we have through the blood of Jesus Christ, our prayers are perceived by the host of heaven, or at least one of them. <laughs> the Bible says we have an intercessor. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. The Bible says that the Lord's ears are open unto the cries of the righteous. Listen to me. When you pray to God in heaven, He hears you. He doesn't hear you because you're a good person. If you're like me, you're not. <laughs> he doesn't hear you because you're so valuable. He doesn't hear you because you're so special. He hears you because of what Christ has done for us on Calvary. He hears us because He hears His Son. And our Son is taking our prayers before the ears of the Heavenly Father and making intercession for us. Sometimes it's discouraging to pray. I'm just being honest with you. And if you have any kind of prayer life, you could admit that. Sometimes it's discouraging to pray. Sometimes it doesn't feel like our prayers are being heard. Sometimes it feels like we're a long way from Jerusalem. Sometimes in this old exiled world that we're living in, full of pagans and heathens and godless circumstances. Sometimes in this world that we're living in, when this world is so violent and angry and godless, it seems like our prayers just aren't getting through. Don't you know Daniel felt like that? 
Don't you know he felt like in this pagan land, how could I ever get a prayer through? How could God in heaven hear me? There's no temple. There's no sacrifice. This is a wicked and pagan place. How can I maintain a relationship with God? The window didn't have to be right beside Jerusalem. It just had to be towards Jerusalem. And listen to me, when you pray, it doesn't matter that the Lord is physically and bodily with us. He still hears our prayers. There's a God in heaven that hears you. And you may not feel like He does, but it's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of feeling. Feelings can be deceptive. I'm not anti-feeling. There's nothing wrong with feeling. I like whenever I eat a good meal, that feeling where you're just about to pop, just stuff, you know. Eat till you're sick, amen. There's nothing wrong with, with feeling good. There's nothing wrong on a hot day with feeling a good cool breeze. And there's nothing wrong when it's cold outside to come in. I, I mentioned to Miss Sandra, we came in, I said, come in here where it's warm. And it was good and toasty in this church. Nothing wrong with feelings, but feelings can be deceptive sometimes. You may not feel like God's hearing your prayers, but if your heart is right with Him, you have an advocate with the Father and you have an intercessor that takes your prayers and presents them to the ears of our Heavenly Father. You say, what if I don't pray right? Well, the Lord covered that too. The Bible says the Spirit also helpeth our intercession uh, with groanings and utterings which cannot be discerned. You say, what does that mean? That means that my muddled up and messed up prayer that doesn't make any sense, the Spirit of God takes it and makes it fit for the ears of God in heaven. Spirit leads and guides me in how to pray, but He takes my prayer and makes it what it needs to be for the throne of God. There's been times in my life when I've prayed and I had no clue even what to say to God. I knew in my heart how I felt. I knew what I wanted, but I had no clue how to express it to the Almighty. But the Holy Spirit of God takes and clarifies those things before the throne of God. And He doesn't so much hear our words as He hears our hearts. We find that His resource was a personal and a perpetual and a perceived place. But I want you to notice finally, and I'm going to hush. I'm not even going to preach it to you. I'm just going to give it to you. We see His rejoicing. The Bible says at the end of the verse that He kneeled upon His knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before His God as He did aforetime. I want you to notice three things about this passage. I want you to notice first off that His rejoicing was insistent. They wanted Daniel to quit praising and rejoicing in the Lord. Daniel said, I won't stop. You know, sometimes the circumstances of this life want to bully us down to cause us to not praise God. You know what your attitude ought to be? Just like Daniel's, I'm going to praise the Lord regardless of my circumstance. doesn't matter what's going on, praise Him. So I don't feel like praising Him, praise Him anyway. You say, I can't see any reason to praise Him, praise Him anyway. Praise Him and be insistent about it. You say, people look at me funny. Let them look at you funny. They probably look funny anyway. Amen. Praise Him anyway. Say, I ain't got nothing to praise Him about. Praise Him on credit. Just praise God. What does the Bible say? Rejoice uh, again in the Lord. Oh, don't let me misquote it. Some of you all could quote it to me anyway. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, Paul said, in case you didn't get it the first time, and again, I say rejoice. He was insistent, but he was persistent. Three times a day. He didn't just praise the Lord once and hush about it. You know, sometimes we treat praise like a debt we owe to God. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say that. God does something in our life, and we feel like owing Him that we mention it at least once. Listen to me. God does something in your life. Don't just praise Him once for it. Praise Him multiple times for it. You say, but I've praised Him once. Well, praise Him to somebody you ain't praised Him to yet. 
Praise Him and praise Him and praise Him. and pra- Go through the book of Psalms. You know what you'll find? You'll find the history of the children of Israel told over and over and over and over and over again by different psalmists at different times, at different times by the same psalmist. But over and over and over again, the goodness of God is echoed and proclaimed all through the book of Psalms. Why? So the children of Israel wouldn't forget it. So they'd remember that God has been good in their life. I want you to notice a third thing. He was insistent. He was persistent. But he was consistent, as he did aforetime. In other words, Daniel praised God before, and when the hard times came, he continued to praise Him. You know what Job said? Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord, and not evil? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something. You're going to have hard times in your life. You might as well bank on it. Are you going to quit praising Him just because... Hey, are you going to quit praising Him just because the doctor's report came back bad? He was good to you before the doctor's report. He's good to you even when the doctor's report is back. You're going to praise Him while you've got a job, but not praise Him when you don't. You're going to praise Him when everyone in the family is doing well and stop praising Him afterwards. You're going to praise Him when that bank account's good and full and not praise Him when it's in the red. Let me tell you something. A Christian that really loves the Lord and that really sees the goodness of God in his life is going to praise God no matter what the circumstances are. Daniel had been doing it before, and he didn't cease. By the same token, he didn't start praising God when things got tough. Listen, don't be a, don't be a foul-weather Christian. Don't be one of these that God has to lead you about uh, with the uh, bit and the bridle in the mouth like some horse. That's what the psalmist said. That's not how we're supposed to be. Don't be one of these that God has to whip you just to get you to praise Him. Don't be one of these that God has to come crashing into your life just to get you to church and just to get you to give and just to get you to serve Him. You ought to serve Him even when things are good. You ought to serve Him even when things are bad. Be consistent in your Christian walk. Be consistent in your prayer life. Even when you don't feel like your prayers are getting answered, go ahead and go onto that window and kneel before the Lord. Even when it seems like things are difficult, go ahead and go onto that window, kneel before the Lord. Even when the prayer closet seems dry, seems boring, even when you find yourself yawning in the midst of praying, go ahead and kneel at that window and you just pray to the Lord in heaven some more. Honestly, let me just be truthful with you. I wish I could tell you that every time I walked into my prayer closet, fireworks went off. I wish I could tell you that every time that I bowed my head and talked to the Lord and conversed with Him, that, oh, I just got up with tears in my eyes and rejoicing, doing backflips. I'd have to lie to you to tell you that. There's times when the prayer closet seems a little dry. There's times when it seems like work. And you know what? Anything worth having is worth working for. Sometimes it's not easy, even when it's not easy. You go ahead and kneel down at that window and you pray. You have a resource with God in heaven. Don't panic. Don't plead with other people to deliver you. You just go ahead and pray to God. Let Him work in your life.